Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Well, welcome to episode three of the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. Uh, this is part two of a four-part series. Uh, today, we're going to break down uh, our top three running backs, take a look at our running back sleepers, our running back bust, and our running back breakouts. Greg, how you doing today, buddy? Doing okay, man. Uh Chilling here, um, ready to go. Got some running backs, some juicy stuff now. So I'm excited. Yeah, man, everybody's getting ready for their draft. So, you know, uh, the running back position is the one that everybody cares the most about. So, um, yeah, I guess let's let's get to it. Um, so top three running backs. Uh, seems that you and I um, have a highly rated player um, rated in the same spot. Uh, and that's New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley. We both have him rated as the our number three running back. Um, I mean, I'm gonna let you take this one because you know you're you're the resident Giants fan here. So tell us why your uh, your beloved Saquon Barkley is is not number one on your yeah. List. You know Saquon is uh, clearly the best player on on the Giants roster. Finished last year's RB two in fantasy, 261 carries. 1,307 rush yards and 11 touchdowns. He also had 91 receptions. That was a rookie record last year. Uh, 721 receiving yards and four touchdowns. So he had over 2,000 2, total yards, actually, with uh, 15 total touchdowns. Man's, you know, the best pass hatcher on the roster, uh, along with being an elite running back. He's a total workhorse. Uh, he's also a huge safety net for Eli last season. He was uh, 30th in average depth for target last year. So uh, Eli was that check down king that you needed, you know. Um, majority of the sub passes, they all went to Saquon and, you know, he's just, I think he's also not affected by game script, which is important. Uh, if you look at his fantasy points per game last year, he, they were higher in Giants losses. Um, the reason why I would probably put him third and not take him with my first overall draft pick, just because maybe the impact of Odell not being there anymore. Um, if you look at his games last year without Odell, he had almost four points lower uh, scored fantasy points per game versus when Odell was in that. So it's probably the slight downgrade I give him. That's why he's not number two or number one, but he's still a stud. He's still a guy that can do what he has to do for your team every week in and week out. Yeah, Greg, I mean, I agree with everything that you said there. I I just, when, when it comes to Saquon, I have my reservations, and it, and it really just comes down to the team. Um, I mean, we understand that Saquon is a great player. But as you touched on in the, the games without Odell, um, there's obviously a dip in the production. Uh, and I think that we're going to see a, a Giants team that is going to miss the presence of, of a player like Odell Beckham, um, a player of that caliber that uh, forces defense to pay defenses to pay attention to him and, and provide him extra attention. Um, last year, Saquon Barkley um, 
he he saw an average of seven defenders in the box. Uh, I, I would I would see I would expect that number to probably creep up to um, the league high last year was seven point three. Uh, I would expect that number to creep up um, a little bit a little bit higher. Uh, and again, that's that's not a huge that's not a huge um, jump at all. It's just that I it's just that I'm expecting this Giants team to to, to face a little bit more. Uh, attention and Saquon Barkley to face a little bit more of that attention. Last year he was a rookie running back. Um, you know, teams really didn't didn't have enough film on him. Um, they didn't really see his style of running and and what kind of player he was and how he liked to make certain cuts or or do certain runs. And and now that I I think that teams kind of have have that in place. Um, they they kind of not have the book on him per se, but you know, they, they kind of are going to have a plan in place to, to stop him and make sure that he's not the, the threat that he was. I mean, again, 91 catches, 261 rushing yards or 261 attempts. That's workhorse material right there. Absolutely. Um, but like, like I kind of, you know, alluded to you earlier was like, you know, it's within the range of outcomes that, uh, you know, we're sitting there in, in week, week 13 and it's fantasy playoffs and, and the giants are, you know, two and 11 or three and 10. And, and, um, Saquon Barkley has a, you know, an ankle injury or he's nicked up in any way, you know, why would the giants, uh, sacrifice the future of their franchise and Saquon Barkley at that point? So, you know, those are other things that we need to consider. Um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, he's 91 catches. That tells me that he's, he's almost game script proof. Um, but you know, if I have to choose between, uh, if I'm choosing the number one overall pick, um, he's not going to be my guy. Even if I had the number two overall pick, he's not going to be my guy. Um, you know, but at three, he's still a good enough player that with all the, all the questions I have about him, he's still a good enough player that I would, I would still take him extremely highly in the draft. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's going to be a very good player. Uh, I just think the top two, as you know, we have kind of the same they're just reversed Kamara and McCaffrey are just better than I guess for this year better outcome yeah I mean when we're, t- we're talking season we're talking season outlook here um you know we're talking uh, who we want in our lineups every week and, and especially you know the thing is is if you take Saquon Barkley at number three overall or if you take him number one overall rather and he finishes to number as the number three or the number four or five player in fantasy, are we going to sit here and say that he was a bust? No. no. Right. But at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, if, if he's, this is a guy that is the, the universal one one um, depending on the format that you're playing in, um, you know, he, he's seen as the guy. And so, you know, if fantasy owners approaching their drafts or having this conversation, um, these are just things to consider. So yeah, and if you do look at his ADP, it is one on one, so can't go wrong actually with take one. Yeah, no, of course not. So moving on, like like Greg alluded to, um, yeah, we have a difference of opinion here. Um, not a major difference. It's just just that uh, we have these guys kind of flip flopped. So um, I mean, with with that being said, I guess. Greg, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong mm-hmm. and why Christian McCaffrey is the um, should be the the number one player in fantasy, the number one running back taken off boards uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, so I know we all like the biggest thing that we like about our running backs is that 
we want them to be on the field, right? Um, well, Christian McCaffrey led all running backs last year with a 94.5% snap rate. All right, so this guy's playing only almost 95% of the snaps. And with that, he was second in fantasy points per game amongst the, amongst the running back position. So this guy, not only was he on the field, but he was productive when he was on the field. Um, and, you know, some things to – some numbers to throw at you. Um, you know, did you know that Christian McCaffrey led all running backs in targets per game with 7.8? And he also led all running backs in catches per game with 6.7. And he, he was the only running back last year to average at least six catches a game. Um, and, Greg, Michael Thomas is pretty good, right? He's pretty solid. Definitely an elite wide okay. receiver. All right. Yeah, I would say he's an elite wide receiver. Um, Do you know that last year only two players in the entire NFL had over 120 targets and at least an 85% catch rate? And I know that you know because you, you alluded to it on our, on our first pod that um, Michael Thomas has an 85% catch rate. Yes, he does. Um, but Christian McCaffrey has an 86.3% mm-hmm. catch rate. That's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> um, so, I mean, granted, again, context, they play different positions. Christian McCaffrey's targets are a little bit safer than Michael Thomas's targets, but it just shows you the level of efficiency that you're getting when you draft a player like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, lost on the fact that he caught 86.3% of his targets is the fact that he had 120 targets, right? Um, and he was eighth in the, in the entire league, regardless of position. He was eighth in the entire league with 107 receptions. Greg, if I told you that your starting <laughs> wide receiver, your wide receiver one that you were going to draft in the first or second round was going to get 107 receptions, you'd sign up for I that, I would totally right? sign up for that. Give me that any day. Okay. You're getting that from a starting running back, right? So not only are you getting the rushing production, but you're also getting basically a full-time wide receiver. Right, Christian McCaffrey was one of was one of four players in the last ten years to score at least six rushing and six receiving touchdowns. So that just kind of goes to show you the the level of of production that this guy has, the impact that he has on his team. Right, and then you know you could tell me, all right, well, you know, well, what about the threat of Cam at the goal line? Well, guess what? Christian McCaffrey had fifty seven and a half percent of the team's red zone rushing attempts. That's the seventh highest among all players, and only five players had more than 60%. So you're still getting elite goal line opportunities when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. So again, you're getting the full package. You're getting somebody that's going to be involved in the in the in the passing game, you're going to get somebody that's involved in the rushing game and you're going to get somebody that's involved in the goal line with the top with the top of the top of backs in the league. He, he's he's the man. He's definitely I will want to say far the safest pick in the draft. Um no argument who's getting the ball on all three downs. I don't think C.J. Anderson is going to affect him in any way. They know who the man is, and they don't plan on taking him off the field. So, McCaffrey's that guy. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Christian McCaffrey, to me, is the safest player in the draft. Yeah. You know, you, you you put a guy out there, he's going to he's gonna get you um, seven, seven, almost eight targets a game. He's going to get you almost seven catches a game. And by the way, he happens to be his team's starting running back. <laughs> and probably his team's best wide receiver, too. Exactly. When we talk about a floor, this guy has it. And when we talk about a ceiling, this guy has it. You know, this guy can go out and get you, you know, kind of like we alluded to last week. He can get you, you know, 15 points just from the receiving production alone. 
and he can get you 20 points from the rushing production. And if you're in a full-point PPR league, Christian McCaffrey is basically a cheat code. Yeah, that's that's impossible. I mean, he's basically a cheat code, so I don't understand. If I had the 101 in, in, you know, any format, actually, to be honest, um, I would probably take Christian McCaffrey. I, I wouldn't even think twice about it. You know, the the we like we always say with our first round picks or and our second round picks too, but most especially with our first round pick, we want to hit. Um, we don't care about hitting home runs. If we hit a home run, it's nice, but we we just want to hit. We just want to hit, right? So like, with our tw- with our with our, you know, our the number one pick in the draft or a top three pick in the draft. If we walk away with a top five, top six player, that's good enough to 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 make us a playoff team. And have us contending week in and week out, so he's about as safe as you can get. Yeah, you, you hit on the nail there. You got all the big areas for McCaffrey to be that number one pick. McCaffrey had 13 total touchdowns, but you know who had 18 total touchdowns last year? The man who should be the number one pick in the draft, Alvin Kamara. Kamara had 18 total touchdowns, 14 from his rushing and four receiving as well. He's just a stud, both in dual threat, just like McCaffrey. Um, prime example of that guy who could do that. I remember I alluded to in the first pod uh, about how the absence of Mark Ingram is going to help him out because last year he averaged 29.7 in FanDuel scoring uh, points per game when Mark Ingram wasn't in, and that's in the same number. Uh, just allude to that. Also, if you look at the people that are up for the number one pick, so McCaffrey, uh, Kamara, uh, Saquon, and then with the contract, Zeke, most likely. Of those four teams, the best offense is the Saints. So you would think he would get the most opportunity to score more touchdowns this year. Uh, last year, he had the second most carries amongst running backs in the red zone. So, again, he's getting those opportunities to score. And, yeah, of just those 194 carries that he got, yeah, 51 of them was in the red zone. That's an insane percentage. I just think this year he's – going to be a freak of nature. Um, Latavius Murray is there. I'm not going to ignore him. Latavius Murray is a guy that has had six rushing touchdowns in the last four seasons. Each of the last four seasons, Latavius Murray has had at least six touchdowns. That's pretty good, actually. Um, So I can see him getting some touchdowns here or there. But I think Kamar is just as safe as you get just with McCaffrey, and I think he just gets that slight edge for me over him. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said there, Greg. Um, you know, Kamara's an absolute stud, and just like, but kind of like what I said on um, the first episode is that to me it comes down to a question of of will he ever get this back this this backfield to himself? Um, and and you know what? Maybe he he doesn't. The thing I know about Alvin Kamara is he does not need this backfield to be entirely to himself in order for him to be a top-flight fantasy producer, right? Last year, he was a top-five running back uh, without having a backfield to himself. As a rookie, um, I think, I'm think i pretty sure he was in the top seven amongst, run, amongst fantasy running backs, um, and he didn't have that backfield entirely to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you, like you said, you know, the games without Mark Ingram, you know, this guy averaged 29 fantasy points per game in half-point PPR leagues. The guy was an absolute stud. Um, it's just if I want that week in, week out, every week floor, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think twice about it. Um, you know, not that you'll ever have to think about Alvin Kamara again. Um, you know, 
you can't go wrong with 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 either one of these guys, right? You know, these two guys are absolute studs. They're going to be uh, used within their offense. You know, Sean Payton uh, is is one of the greatest offensive minds that we know. Uh, he will, he knows how to get players in space. And Alvin Kamara is just an absolute freak of nature. Um, you know, this guy's contact balance. His his ability to evade tackles, his vision, um, the guy kind of makes runs that you know people shouldn't shouldn't be making. Like, yeah. He makes cuts in the backfield that that people shouldn't be able to physically make on on their ankles. Yeah, sure. Right? I think him and Saquon so, are like the top two in that area, for sure. Yes. So so you know this guy, while he doesn't need, um, it like. He doesn't need an amazing workload, you know, 350 to 400 touches to be efficient because he's just efficient. That's yes. what he is. Yeah. Um, he he's he's an outlier in that way, and um, you know, I'm I'm not gonna bet against him. It's just that if I have a choice to make, and you know, um, in some leagues, somebody's gonna have this choice to make. Uh, you know, that's. That's this is the only reason. Why, that's the only reason why I would lean Christian McCaffrey. It's just you know the presence of Latavius Murray and, and the presence now of um, of Jacquez Rogers. Yeah. You know, not that you know they're relevant. They're extremely relevant in any way. It's just again, there's a it's a possibility. And you know, people always say Kamara's like probably never gonna get over that 200 carry mark. But if you look at Drew Brees' numbers, his his volume of passes goes down every year. So you think those passes are going to turn into more rushing opportunities for maybe Kamara. He can get over that 200-yard, 200-carry mark this season. Yeah, I mean, now that we're talking about Kamara, I I don't know if you've seen this, but have you seen Sean Payton's been kind of coming out saying Alvin Kamara's not going to get these touches and he's not going to have this workload? (laughs) Yeah, like all the time. Sean Payton. Right? Yeah. So he's been saying that, and I know he told us that last year, um, and he and he kind of said that, oh, well, you know, while Mark Ingram's out, you know, Alvin Kamara won't be the featured back, or we won't use him like you guys think we'll use him. But then he went and did the exact opposite. <laughs> At least to winning games, so like you gotta, you know. So so a part of me, right, and and you know, I'm I'm gonna halfway contradict myself here, but it's like. Is there a possibility that Sean Payton could be like trolling us on this one? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just maybe he's he probably wants that to happen. He doesn't want to use his guy that much because he knows he has like a really bright future ahead of him and stuff. But when the game starts, you're just like, oh man, I really gotta give it to the best player in the field. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess we just kind of have to side with that and just yeah. kind of hope that you know if you if you if you do make that decision to draft Alvin Kamara number one overall or at the top of your draft, um, you know, it's just if this guy was to get a hundred percent of that backfield to himself, it'd be, it'd be, or 90% it'd be ridiculous. Of that it'd be absolutely ridiculous. It would be a season like we've never seen yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> In this offense, it would be a season like we've never seen yeah. before. Um, this offense runs through Alvin Kamara, runs through Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those guys make up a large portion of the offense. So 
Like, the thing with Alvin Kamara is you never have to worry about him being game scripted out. That'll never be a concern for you because whether they're, they're leading or they're, 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 whether they're leading, that means they got a lead. If they're behind, that means he's getting involved in the pass game. And in that division, they're going to be in, in a ton of shootouts um, with Carolina, like Christian, or, you know, along with Christian McCaffrey, uh, against Tampa Bay and against Atlanta. You know, those are all games that are going to be high over-unders, high totals, and, and you know, it's it's nice. It'll be nice to have a piece of those of those games. Yeah, basically, we're saying hopefully you get one, two, or three in your draft, the top pick. <laughs> Yes, yeah. basically. You're at yeah. four, you're screwed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. So uh, I guess let's move on. Let's move. Let's move on to the, to the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's let's go on with the breakouts, man. Uh, all right. I guess you 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 started with the Saquon, and you just finished. You just wrapped up with Kamara. So I guess I'll jump into my yeah, breakout. Yeah, definitely go for it, man. Um. All right, man, so last year, uh, Jordan Howard was a second-round pick. He was. That uh, if you drafted him like I did, uh, he probably burned you. (laughs) Um, Not probably. He most definitely burned you. Um, So maybe some people have a bad taste in their mouth about Chicago running backs. Maybe, possibly, I don't know, but. To me, um, if you haven't guessed my breakout by now, it's it's Chicago Bears running back David Montgomery. Um, and to me, this one's about opportunity, right? Uh, opportunity in a Matt Nagy offense. Uh, according to 444.com, the Chicago Bears are fourth in the NFL in vacated running back touches with 17 per game, right? Um, and since the offseason, they've traded away Jordan Howard. Uh, they've acquired, they've added Mike Davis. Um, they've also added former, I guess, wide receiver, running back, offensive weapon, Cordero Patterson. Um, and he's going to fill a running back role. And then third round rookie, David Montgomery. Um, and if you're not familiar with David Montgomery, again, he's a rookie. He was drafted in the third round. He was touted as a third round, a three down back coming out of Iowa State. Uh, pro style uh, type of running back. He could be used in passing downs. He was a good pass blocker. Um, and like I mentioned before, the Bears, they traded Jordan Howard. And then they trade up to the third round to get Montgomery. Right? And like last time, we talked about contracts and the importance of contracts and how teams can't lie to you when they're handing out contracts. Another time team can't, teams can't lie to you is when they're drafting. Right? Because um, how, how highly they draft a player, um, if they trade up to acquire that player, right? Um, the Bears gave up a 2020 fourth-round pick to move up 14 spots to draft David Montgomery, right? 14 spots, that's, that's, that's not a lot of, that's not a, a ton of spots to move up. Um, but a 2020 fourth-round pick, that's, that's a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty big investment, right? So team trades up to the third round to draft a player. I'm kind of taking note of that. That shows me how badly they wanted that player. And, all throughout the draft process, this guy was getting compared to Kareem Hunt, right? Oh, and who's the head coach for the Bears? That's right, Matt Nagy, who used to coordinate the the Chiefs offense uh, when Kareem Hunt had his breakout rookie season, right? And then through all of that, Matt Nagy then makes the Kareem Hunt comparison himself, 
right? So, um, like Matt Nagy, I, I believe he wants to use a featured back. If you look at last season, early last season, even um, those first three or four weeks, Jordan Howard, he was he was getting fifteen to eighteen to twenty one touches a game. He was trying. Matt Nagy was trying to use him as a featured back. Matt Nagy was trying to target him in the passing game. But then around week five, it just flipped, right? It just flipped, and Tariq Cohen all of a sudden uh, was getting more snaps. He was getting more usage. He was getting more carries. He was being more involved in the offense. And you know, with this high-paced offense that Matt, this this high-paced offense Matt Nagy wants to run, Jordan Howard just didn't fit it, right? So, so I believe that uh, Matt Nagy he he went out. He got the running back that he believes fits his offense. He got the running back he believes uh, reminds him of Kareem Hunt, who he had as a rookie in Kansas City. Uh, so, you know, I, I believe that to the presence of Tariq Cohen doesn't really scare me. I view him more as an offensive weapon. I don't see him as a featured back like, like a David Montgomery. Um, I think that, you know, Tariq Cohen was – was used in the backfield a lot last year or just as a from the running back position and in a lot of the running back uh, carries last year because uh, Matt Nagy didn't have his guy. But I, I fully expect David Montgomery to be the future back, and he should be in line for a bulk of the the 17 touches per game that that is vacated by the Chicago Bears backfield. I get it. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, it's within the range of outcomes that he ends up in a timeshare. But I like this offense, and I want the running back that's in it, and I want the one that I believe is going to be the featured back, and I believe that I believe that that's going to be David Montgomery when it's all said and done. And again, he's going the end of the third round. That's about expected. That's the price that rookie for whatever running for whatever reason rookie running backs not named Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley. That's that's the range that they go in the second the second usually third round. Um, so you know this is fine, but I usually like whether it was. Kareem Hunt, or you know, go years ago to, to um, or a few, a couple of years ago to Leonard Fournette, or Christian McCaffrey, or even many, many years ago to Doug Martin, um, you know, running backs for one reason or another, uh, rookie running backs, they tend to be undervalued and they tend to go in this range, and every time, most time, more often than not, they outproduce their draft position, and I expect David Montgomery to do just that. Yeah, David Montgomery's a uh, pretty solid choice. Um, definitely expect that Bears offense to be high scoring and everyone should be eaten, I would say. Um, when you talk about your breakout, I got to think about a guy. Talked about him already before. Keep calm and carry on. I uh, got to keep it going with him. His ADP is quickly, I would say, rising. Um, he's a very hot pick right now, uh, going to RB13. So that's like the end of the third, second round, the turn of the third. Um, again, Comparisons to Le'Veon Bell, I've been saying that since he was in college. And this Lions offense has 264 touches available. There's no LeGarrette Blunt. There's no Theoretic now. I, I think the ceiling is just too high for on Johnson. Uh, all that opportunity he's going to get carrying the ball and also passing. His passing ability is going to be showing off this year. Uh, the ceiling is, again, the ceiling is just too high to pass up on for where he is. He's a guy that you're going to be drafting bona fide stud in the first or the second round. Uh, yeah, it's carry on Johnson all the way for me as a breakout. Just so we're clear, you say when you say first or second round, you mean next year. Next right? year, correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, I would expect I mean I expect that for Carry on Johnson. I expect that for David Montgomery as well. 
Um, but like you said, that that's that's a with with Garrett Blunt gone, Theo Riddick gone. Um, I I definitely expect Carry on to to you know take advantage of the opportunity, take advantage of those touches. Um, you know, there's already been talk that Matt Patricia wants to make this a a more run heavy offense. Um, you know, in the past, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, who'd been the offensive coordinator for the Lions, had been one of the uh, past heavy, the one of the past heavier uh, offensive coordinators in the league. Um, Matt Stafford was always averaging in the last five years. I believe he averaged about 590 pass attempts. Um, so I, he was that's almost 600 pass attempts in a season. Um, that equates to about almost 37 pass attempts a game. Um, and, and so if you imagine that, you know, some of those pass attempts become rush attempts and, you know, even the chunk of those pass attempts that, you know, remain pass attempts, if those go to carry on as opposed to, you know, theoretic who's no longer there, then you would, you have to imagine that, that this guy um, is, is going to be, is, is going to be in the, the top 15 of, of all running backs at the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. He's, his red zone rate should go up. His red zone touches, his touches in general are going to go up. Um, we talk about another maybe breakout guy. I think Chris Carson, I think you can't ignore him where he's going right now. He is a guy that gave you at least 1,100 rushing yards last year and nine touchdowns while missing two games. Like That's a value at running back you can't, uh, you know, you could always, you know, can't get always. So he's going at the bottom of round five, turn, well, bottom of round four, turn around five. Seahawks want to get him involved in the passing game. You know, uh, the coach of the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, is always talking up his players, either for good or for bad. He's always talking them up. He makes his <laughs> players so juicy all the time. Um, and no Doug Baldwin. He retired. No Mike Davis. So I think he has added PPR value as well. Chris Carson, for sure. Yeah, this is here's the thing with Chris Carson for me, um, and I, and don't I, I I like Chris Carson. I like him at his draft stock. Um, when I'm when I'm drafting, I'm going to draft him at that range. Like you said, a starting running back for, um, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, one of the not only one of the top offenses in the league, but one of the the run heavier offenses in the league last year. Um, why wouldn't I want to take the starting running back? You know, Chris Carson. He's a big physical back. He's he's a stud. Um, you know, Pete Carroll was showering him with praise saying of course he'll be involved in the pass game and chris carson has the best hands on the team which is by the way Pete carroll's crazy yeah man <laughs> like he's as he's at like the amount of praise that he gives guys is just absolutely yeah, everyone's crazy. a hall of famer on this team though yeah everybody <laughs> um but no back back to chris carson i mean he he's a stud and i like you mentioned um you know no uh no doug baldwin uh, no, Mike Davis. Uh, I, 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 I expect a lot of that work or most of that work to go to Rashad Penny, um, who's going, I like, think, in round yeah. seven right now. Uh, yeah, slightly after him. Uh, you said what? I think he's going right now, seventh round. Yeah, running back 32. Yes. Yeah, he's going in the seventh round. So, um, you know, I think that. I, mean, I think that's fine too. Um, the only thing is though, with Chris Carson is the, the guy runs so physical. Um, 
you know, the, he he does he does not shy away from contact, and he does and he's just always sacrificing his body. Um, and so, like you said, he missed two games, and that, I think that's part of who Chris Carson is. Um, so it's it's well within the range of outcomes that uh, Chris Carson ends up on the shelf for you know some period of time, and Rashad Penny, who you know I I like we. I just touched on before um, when David Montgomery, you know, draft capital is important. Rashad Penny was a first-round pick last year. You know, Seattle drafted this dude with the first-round pick. With I think it was 18th overall, if I'm not mistaken. It was pretty. I remember it was pretty crazy when it happened. Um, but you know, this is a talented running back. This is a running back that, um, you know, despite what Pete Carroll might say about Chris Carson being the, having the best hands on the team, I think. Rashad Penny, if uh, you know, if you gave him truth serum, he'd probably. If you gave Pete Carroll truth serum, he'd probably say Rashad Penny was a better uh, pass catcher <laughs> than Chris Carson. Um, but you know, I, I think there's a there's it's within the range of outcomes that Rashad Penny finishes this this year as the as the the primary running back on Seattle. Yep. Um, and I think and I think that's kind of that that range of outcome is is what's baked into Chris Carson's draft price draft price. Because if you look at it, he's going, you know, um, he's going behind David Montgomery. He's going ahead of guys like Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Sony Michelle. Um, Josh Jacobs is going a spot one spot ahead of David Montgomery. So that whole range of running backs, they all have questions, right? Whether it's um, the rookies and, and Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery, or whether it's um, or whether it's the the question of, of, of the role with Chris Carson and Mark Ingram and, and Philip Lindsay, or in the case of Sonny Michelle, it's health, right? So I think the questions about Chris Carson are kind of baked in his, his draft price already. And I, and like you said, I would just pull, I'd pull the trigger. If I, if I went wide receiver heavy or I went running back two receivers, um, you know, or I went three receivers in a row, I, I'm, I'm pulling, I, I'm, totally comfortable pulling the trigger on Chris Carson. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very happy if I'm sitting at the end of the draft on Chris Carson with my running back too. So, I'd be pretty solid. Alright, man. Um, So, let's see. What do we got next? We got these sleepers or, no, or a bus. Either one. I guess we can go into bus because, you know, we're, we're in this range. Uh, we're talking about Chris Carson. There was a name I kind of skipped over. I don't know if I did it. Um, if if I did it subconsciously, you know my my, <laughs> my subconscious wants me to make good draft decisions, so I, I didn't. I skipped right over this player on the board. Um, but my bust is Derrick Henry. Um, he's currently the four hundred two, um, and and you you rattled off uh, Chris Carson's numbers. They sounded pretty good. Eleven hundred yards, nine touchdowns. Very solid. Um, solid, right? Derrick Henry last year ran for a thousand fifty nine yards and twelve touchdowns. That's yeah. really solid, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a problem with that, Greg. <laughs> the problem with that is that Derrick Henry, of those 1,059 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns, Derrick Henry ran for 585 rushing yards and seven touchdowns in the last four games of the season. During this time, he finished as the RB1, the RB1, the RB12, and the RB21. Wow. Uh, I tried to write down the rest of his finishes, but I didn't want to uh, continue vomiting on the laptop because <laughs> they were in the 50s and the 60s. Um, 
So just to put that in context, 55% of his season total rushing production came in four games, right? And if you even want to look at that closer, because uh, there was the, you know, the game where he, you know, the 200-yard game where he stiff-armed the dude and ran for four touchdowns. Um, he ran for 408 yards and six touchdowns in just weeks 14 and 15 alone. <laughs> so, yeah. so, again, 585 rushing yards of the 1059 in four games, and then 408 and six touchdowns came in two games. So, um, last year there was a phrase that was uh, that was being used, and it was called it went something like uh, during the week one of fantasy playoffs, there was a phrase that went something like "I got Derrick Henry." And for most people, I got Derrick Henry didn't mean that you actually went against Derrick Henry. It meant that you lost your fantasy playoffs with Derrick Henry and his 50 points on your bench. (laughs) And again, that was the right decision. Because the weeks prior, Derrick Henry during weeks 4 to 13, he averaged 9 carries for 37 yards. And he scored his remaining 5. That's when he scored his remaining 5 touchdowns. So that's a 16-game pace of 596 yards, right? So just 10 off of the four-game production, the, the output he had in those four games. Um, and then you might say, all right, well, that's because they didn't give him the ball. And so they started giving him the ball, you know, during those last four weeks, and that's why you saw the uptick in production. But in the, the start of the season, you know, weeks one to three, Derrick Henry averaged 15 carries a game. His carries in those games were 10 18 and 18 his yardage output in those games were 26 56 57 so they tried this and it clearly didn't work and they went to Deion Lewis because Deion Lewis provided them with um, you know more more versatility on the offense right and then at the end of the season uh, Derrick Henry got hot and they rode him rightfully so right Um, but to me, it's within the range of outcomes that Titans are trailing more than they'll be ahead next year. And so, to me, that means Derrick Henry is going to be game scripted out. Because even if you want to take his record-setting um, stretch where he had 585 yards and seven touchdowns in four games, he had three pass targets. Three pass targets in those four games. <laughs> so that tells me that that's a guy that is completely one-dimensional. Um, that's a guy that's he's prone to geek to be game scripted out um and then on top of all of this he's got you know Deion lewis in his own backfield uh who we already know is a more than capable pass catcher so when you consider the floor with derrick henry that it's, it's almost non-existent <laughs> and he's going off the board as rb21 in the as the second pick in the fourth round i'm sorry but that's a hard pass for me um I would, I would much rather prefer David Montgomery, who's going one spot ahead, uh, Chris Carson and Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, who are all going after him. Shoot, even at their respective prices, I might even take Deion Lewis in round 13 because this is a guy that we've seen be productive both as a runner and as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, uh, the Titans, again, like I alluded to before, I don't see them winning a ton of games. I don't see them leading in a ton of games. So um, I, I just I, – I, I can't find any reason why I want to draft Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry, I guess. Yeah, that was that was a pretty <laughs> – you trashed it pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so Derrick Henry, you said he's going for guys like Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think I would take those guys. 
over him. And, of course, my sleepers, which we get into that, I'll take them over Derek Henry as well. Um, I'm probably not going to trust this guy as much as Derek Henry. Tariq Cohen is my bust. Uh, I think... Oh, man. Yeah, I just think the reasons you were talking about David Montgomery is the reasons why he would not succeed as much as he did last season. Um, scored at a pretty high rate last year, I would say. And, again, does well with David Montgomery, who you alluded to before. They also signed Mike Davis, who will take away some of those targets from him and David Montgomery combined. I just think that there's people around that area that have a more defined role. So, like, Lamar Miller uh, is going there around that area. Tevin Coleman, who, you know, there's no more Jared McKinnon. He's going on IR. So, Tevin Coleman now has a pretty good value there. I think his value just increased a little bit. Um, and I think you can maybe take Rashad Penny. We just talked about him around the area as well before a guy like Tariq Cohen. So, that's my bus pretty much. Not as bad as Derek Henry, though. Yeah, I mean, Tariq Cohen, um, I, I, while I, I – I, I hate to say it, um, I, I I completely understand why he's your bust. Uh, I mean, I'm, I I love Tariq Cohen. Um, I, I I think he's a great player. Um, I mean, the guy's nickname is the Human Joystick, um, so you know you gotta love him for that. Um, but yeah, I mean his his role is not defined enough to warrant going in the sixth round. Um, you know, especially like you said, you know, guys like Lamar Miller, Tevin Coleman, um, even a guy like James White, who caught a ton of passes last year, um, or, you know, guys going after like Miles Sanders and Rashad Penny, um, two guys that have potential starting upside. Um, you know, if anything were to ever happen or Miles Sanders, I don't think he doesn't need an injury to get to, to become a starter. Um, you know, that's somebody that we probably, um, uh, I mean, I don't know if either one of us are going to bring him up, but he, he's someone that could be pegged as a potential breakout going forward um, this time next year. Uh, he was definitely close to being on my list. I just um, I just went with David Montgomery over him. Um, but, you know, back not, you know, backtracking back to uh, Tariq Cohen. Uh, yeah, it, it, his role is just not defined enough. I still love the player. I, I think Matt Nagy is creative enough to – to create a role with Tariq, for Tariq Cohen, it's just that when you consider, you know, David Montgomery, who's who's my breakout, um, and you consider the the receivers that they have with Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller, and then they've got uh, Trey Burton at tight end, and then they've got Adam Shaheen at the other tight end spot. There's just a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, but you know, like we've talked about. Uh, last week with Arizona, you know, I want a piece of this offense. And, um, you know, Tariq Cohen, again, kind of expensive, but um, there there will be some teams where I have Tariq Cohen um, at that price just because some of the ways the ways that roster might be constructed. If, you know, if I'm in a full-point PPR league, uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, he's someone that uh, I'm probably a little bit more interested than. Um, but, yeah. I, I don't know. It's hard to argue with you there. Yeah, for sure. And a full PPR league definitely has some good body. He reminds me of that Chris Thompson kind of player. Um, yeah, they'll be. He's a good football player, so he's gonna definitely help the Bears out in a positive impact. For sure. 
Yeah, this might be a case where, you know, and this happens a lot in fantasy football, um, where, you know, this guy, he might be a, a, he might help the Bears more in real life than he helps our teams in fantasy football. Just because his, his mere presence being out on the field, um, offenses have to account for him. You know, it's been talked before how he's kind of Matt Nagy's Tyreek Hill. I know that that floated a lot. That floated around a lot last year. Um, I don't think I don't see him having. Obviously, he's not going to go be the team's starting wide receiver. But I, I, I know what they what, what they were trying to say when that was said, um, just on the style of player and, and their short area quickness and how. You know they're pretty versatile in their own ways. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I I trust that he'll help the Bears' offense. It's just you know they might not relate. They might not um, correlate to fantasy to fantasy production. So, yeah, let's get to these sleepers. Sleep time. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. So my sleeper is Peyton Barber, Ooh. and. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of numbers and data and science and and um, you know all that jazz to kind of back up this claim for Peyton Barber being my sleeper, but uh, it's plain and simple, man. I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones. <laughs> uh, he's going as he's going at the eight eleven RB forty, uh, and I don't believe that he's his team starting running back. You're not the only one that feels that way. So, you said what? definitely not the only one that feels that way. No, exactly, right? So, um, you know, as fantasy owners, we got to be savvy. Um, we we've got to kind of you know recognize a situation when it's when it's kind of happening to us, and we got to be able to kind of read between the lines and and read the tea leaves as as we see fit. Um, and so, again, Ronald Jones didn't do anything last year to prove to any of us that he's a. Uh, that he's a, a, a good football player, right? Or that he'll be even remotely fantasy productive. Um, and this is a quote that I, I got from uh, Bruce Arians. It's back at the start of training camp. He, in reference to Peyton Barber, right? So they were asking him about the running backs, and Peyton Barber came up, and, and he said, quote, um, he can pound it, and that's what we like, to set up play action. He fits what we do. He's steady. And then when talking about the other running backs, he said, quote, they fit what we like to do. Or when he was talking about the running back position as a group, as a whole. So when I read between the lines there, I kind of see that he's talking about Peyton Barber, right? He's already said that he likes what Peyton Barber can, he likes uh, Peyton Barber's play style. He, he fits what they like to do. Um, and he likes to, he likes a running back that's physical, that's going to pound it up in there, that's going to. Um, that's going to uh, be able to help the, help the offense set up play action. And the, the other thing about about um, Ronald Jones is that this this is a guy that that gained ten pounds, I think it was. I think it was more than that. Uh, I don't know. It was more yeah, than that, right? Ten to twenty, maybe. I thought, it, yeah, it might have been it might have been closer to twenty. Um, and I've been playing fantasy for a while now, and um, typically when I see a running back gain weight, that never results in, in good production. Heavy lazy. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, typically I want to see it the reverse. I want to see a running back lose some weight, you know, um, then I would, like, you know, uh, help, like to see them come back in better shape. 
so when, when a running back puts on some weight, that already kind of tells me, because uh, the questions about Ronald Jones were that he was he was undersized, right? Ronald Jones went to the combine. I think he was like 190, 195 pounds or something like that. Um, but, you know, teams felt that he was a little undersized. So this guy came in and tried to put on some extra weight. Um, again, I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't a fan of Ronald Jones last year. I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones this year. Um, Peyton Barber was actually productive as, uh, he was productive in stretches as the Tampa Bay starting running back. And again, I'm not expecting, um, when I say that Peyton Barber is a sleeper here, a sleeper here, I'm not, I'm not projecting him to finish as an every week starter and to, um, you know, significantly outproduce his RB, his price of his round 10 price RB 48. But, um, one of the, the most important things about fantasy is that especially when we're drafting, we have this, you know, this season long output, this season long outlook on our teams. Right. But, um, more often than not, you're going to end up cutting 50% of the players that you draft. Right. And, you know, it's at least 50% probably end up cut dropping more of them or cutting more of them. So um, when I'm getting to round 10, I want guys that are going to help me win weeks, right? So a guy like Peyton Barber, um, you know, the running back position, is, is it's hard enough to find running backs as it is, but if I can get a starting running back for an NFL team um, in round 10, just to have them on my roster, um, again, you know, I like, to tr- I like to think of running backs as currency because um, when – when it's the when it's week four or week five and that team in your league doesn't have a starting running back, they'll they'll do anything to get one, <laughs> just to get an inkling of one, right? So uh, maybe uh, Peyton Barber, somebody that uh, through the first four games of the season, maybe he's having a good season and you could flip him for something else, um, you know, try to upgrade at another position or you know maybe try to do a two for one, including Peyton Barber, but. I don't again, like I said, I don't expect him to be an every week starter, but this is somebody that's going to be useful um, during during the season uh, and help us win some weeks. Yeah, for sure. Um, you got to expect him to be on a good offense. So Tampa Bay, you know, Bruce Arians is there. I think they can only help him as far as his growth and his opportunities when they get to the red zone and stuff like that. Um, so I guess my sleepers are not as deep into the rounds as that. It's more. I think these receivers are running or running backs are going like wide receiver three level when they should be bona fide running back three. Running back three. I don't know why I keep saying wide receiver three. Uh, running back threes uh, they can end up being bona fide running back twos and maybe low end running back ones. So Sony Michelle and James White uh, right now they're going RB twenty five and RB twenty six uh, respectively in about the fourth or fifth round. The Pats are a uh, run heavy team. They're Rushmore last year, uh, in their route to the Super Bowl, we all know they won the Super Bowl again. Tom Brady, he threw only two passing touchdowns. So that wasn't really a very Tom Brady-esque run, I would say. He had three interceptions as well. So they're a team that relies on the run. These two running backs are both pass-catching backs as well. Um, if you ask me if I had to choose one, I would probably take Sony Michelle. Um, the reason because of that is that 42 of his carries last year were in the red zone, and also 27 of those were inside the 10-yard line. That's both six-month running backs in both categories, and he didn't play three games. So uh, the production is there for him, definitely in the red zone. And 
can make the case for James White as well. The man always gets his receptions. That man is the definition of consistency in this league. He's had at least 55 receptions in the last past three seasons. He finished RB8 last year. RB8 in half-point PPR for fantasy. He finished above guys like David Johnson, above Joe Mixon, who are actually going in round one and round two. So both of these guys are going in those mid-rounds who I think you'd be thrilled to get as your RB2 and as a flex play because they can win weeks for you as well. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like, I like, I like the the Patriots running back situation. Obviously, because I like the Patriots offense. The Patriots are always tops in the league in points per game. Um, they're always one of the best offenses in the league. Um, and if you, you know, Patriots running backs are always finding the end zone. That's a team that's consistently in the red zone. Um, so you know, Sony Michelle. Uh, having so many red zone attempts doesn't doesn't necessarily surprise me. It's just I have questions about each of these backs at their current ADP. Um, Sony Michelle, it comes down to health. Um, you know, this is a guy that uh, he had off season knee surgery. Uh, the Patriots thought so highly of of Damian Harris that they drafted him in the third round, even after spending a first round pick on Sony Michelle last year. Um, so the you know the presence of Damian Harris kind of scares me a little bit, but you know, if you were to tell me today that Sony Michelle will be the the you know barring injury will be the Patriots' primary running back, then obviously, of course, you know I'm going to sign up for you know fourth round pick all day. Um, James White in the fifth, he's you know he's interesting because he you know like you said he he was RB eight and that's a that was a very quiet RB yeah definitely you know. Um, you know, the guy had 87 receptions last year for 751 yards. So we're sitting here talking about, um, you know, the greatness of Christian McCaffrey for catching 100, 107 balls or the greatness of, um, of Saquon Barkley for catching 91 balls. You know, James White caught 87. Um, so, you know, He's someone with the fifth round ADP. I think that that's kind of his ceiling, right? I mean, not obviously it's not his ceiling because um, he he finished RB eight, but I think you know drafting him in the fifth round, you know, you're not he's not going to go any higher than that, right? Um, I think it says according to Fantasy Football Calculator, the highest that he's been drafted is the four oh three. Okay. Um. So. I don't know, Still below your boy Derek Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so definitely below Derrick Henry. But it's just, would you draft him over a guy like, I I guess, would you draft him over Philip Lindsay? I wouldn't draft him over Philip Lindsay, but I think I would draft him over Mark Ingram, though. But he's going to spot over Tevin Coleman. So, yeah, I wouldn't take him over Tevin Coleman, though. I guess there's some guys on that list I would and wouldn't. So I would drop Derrick Henry and I would drop Mark Ingram. But still keep Tevin Coleman and maybe Philip Lindsay above James White, just because of the situation. Tevin Coleman's prize stock is going to rise, especially with the Jared McKinnon news coming out too. Yeah, no, especially yeah, most definitely with the Jared McKinnon news, we're going to see Tevin Coleman's ADP probably hit you know round four, maybe start to creep up to round three as we get later and, and you know closer to September. Um, but I don't know, just it's James White. Round five, it just seems a little rich. 
Interesting. Um, interesting. Oh. No, I mean. I, again, I agree with the, 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 the Patriots running backs as a whole like that, you know, if, if, if you were to take the aggregated Patriots running back, you know, season total production, it would, it would you know, finish as a top five, top six running back. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know which one it's going to be and what week that's going to be. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think either one as your you know, flex play would be, you'd be happy with that. Um, no, and... of course. I mean, there were there were weeks last year with Sonny Michelle and uh, James White were weekly flex plays. Yeah, solid flex plays. Um, like I said, and forget solid, it. solid weekly flex plays. Um, so again, yeah, I mean, and you know, especially with with Gronk out, um, you know, question the, the Patriots have questions at receiver. I, th- I think James White's usage in the past game, you know, is it is it possible that it goes up? <laughs> I did. Yeah, it just it just will we'll always be there, and I think. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. he finishes in the top 12 RBs again this year. How high would you rank him above, like, a Chris Carson? Would, would you rank him above Chris Carson in a full-point PPR league? In a full-point PPR league? I guess I'd put him, like, right right there. I think i still take Chris Carson. Um, right? Yeah, i still take Chris Carson. Yeah, I would still take Chris Carson as well, but it, it yeah. It's super close. It'll, and it's it's really close in a full point PPR. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Another deep sleeper I want to mention, uh, Devin Singletary from the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, he dropped out of the third round. Uh, we know Shady is 31. He had a, a pretty low year as far as his carries, his rushing yards, and his yards per carry at 3.2. It's not a very good number for Shady. Shady's going in the 10th round this year, so I just think more for the opportunity that Devin Singletary could get throughout the year. He's impressed people in the camps. Um, I think he's a good late-round sleeper right now. He's going around round 11. That can have the starting job by the late end of the year and could be a league winner. Yeah, no. Um, no, I, I like Devin Singletary a lot. He looked really good in the, in the Bills' first preseason game. He's He's a guy that is um, good as a runner and a receiver. Um, you know, he, like you said, he's going in the tenth, middle of the tenth round, ten oh seven, looks like in half point PPR leagues. Um, so you know, he's basically yeah. free. Yeah, free. <laughs> um, and you know, I look at a situation in Buffalo where you got Lashawn McCoy, who's you know up there in age. You've got the ageless Frank Gore, who's thirty six <laughs> or thirty seven. Now I roll. Just forgot he's in the league again. Um, <laughs> yeah right and then um, you know TJ Eldon who didn't have a great preseason game the other day um, I think I think Devin Singletary is definitely going to be in line to take this backfield over um, you know he, maybe it's midway through the season um, maybe it's, it's, it's not going to happen right away um, but again like if I if I had the extra roster spot or if I was you know picking late and I didn't have any other pressing needs um you know, I would just take him and, and stash him away on my bench and and just kind of hope um, something comes to fruition. Because, you know, these running backs, uh, especially as we get to the later rounds, they become like lottery yeah, tickets. Yeah, those lottery, you know, the Nick Chubbs of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they become they become lottery tickets. So if you can get a if you can get a running back, you know, this late in the draft and, you know, kind of hold on to him, um, you know, throughout the season, you know, hopefully, you know, you draft a good enough team and, and you know, you have, 
you have an extra spot on your waiver wire to kind of burn, or extra spot on your bench to burn. But if you can, you know, s- you know, slide Devin, a guy like Devin Singletary into on your bench, or a guy like Justice Hill, um, you know, onto your bench, then you know, I don't see why not. Yeah, even the Matt Matt Brietta with uh, Jay McKinnon now too. That increases his well oh, too. Oh yeah, now Matt Brietta. I mean, this whole this. I mean, the running back landscape's kind of you know ever changing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Justin Jackson around eleven as well. Um, Kalen Balaj is someone who doesn't get a lot of love. I mean, but uh, Kenyon Drake's ADP is sliding, so uh, you know, Kalen Balaj is someone around ten that I'm intrigued by. You know, he's a big he's a big running back, six two two thirty. Um, you know, ran four four. He was involved in the pass game. At, you know, Arizona State coming out of college. Um, and he's he was he's been running with the ones uh, pretty much all summer, um, so you know I'm curious to see, you know how the rest of the preseason shakes out for you know running back like Kalen Balaj. Someone else that we have to mention, um, otherwise we'd be doing everybody a, a disservice if we didn't, is uh, Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. Um, and I guess we haven't touched on we didn't touch on the Zeke. The Zeke news the last time, so I, I guess let's kind of get into it. Let's kind of get into it now. Um, but uh, if you haven't heard, uh, Z- Zeke Elliott, uh, Dallas Cowboys running back, is uh, he was expected to return August sixth from his holdout, but he's since told the Cowboys that he will not return this season without a new contract. Uh, everyone kind of thought that Zeke would be back this year because uh, he he would need. Uh, he needs one more year to get that accrued season. Um, but one of the things that I guess uh, kind of flew under the radar was that because Zeke Elliott has the, f- the fifth-year option that Dallas guaranteed him for 2020, um, he basically doesn't need to play this year, and he can come back in 2020, get that accrued season, and he basically would be in the same position that Melvin Gordon is in today where he would only have to play six games in 2020 and then get, um, and then he would, he would be able to achieve free agency, unrestricted free agency the following year. So because of that little, um, you know, I guess wording or verbiage in, in the contract for Zeke Elliott, he, he's able to stay out this entire year. So, um, he's, he's kind of, it's, it's, it's really crazy because, um, now, you know, Zeke Elliott's, He's worse than you know. He's worse than Melvin Gordon, if you ask me. In this situation, because at least we know Melvin Gordon, uh, he wants to he wants to be a free agent next year, an unrestricted free agent. So Melvin Gordon is he's gonna have to come back for six games at some point, right? Um, but Zeke Elliott doesn't have to come back at all. And the the only thing that I I would imagine, well, the only reason I would imagine that Zeke Elliott plays for the Cowboys this year. Um, the only way I, I see that happening is if, if Jerry Jones and the Cowboys pay up. Um, and, it's going to be hard to do with Dak asking for 40 mil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I would have I I asked him if Zeke's price was included in that. Yeah, word. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's just, it's, and it doesn't seem like, you know, I, if you asked me a week ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, Jerry Jones is going to budge because, you know, the Cowboys need Zeke, but if you listen to Jerry Jones, he'll tell anybody that doesn't listen that will, that's willing to listen that the Cowboys don't need Zeke. 
Nah, he's, um, he's said it before, yeah. He's, he's pretty adamant so, about that. So, with that being said, um, a guy we have to talk about is is rookie running back Tony Pollard, um, who's been running as the primary running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and currently his his ADP is a 13th round. He's the 8th pick in the 13th round. But he's quickly shooting up um, draft boards. He His highest draft position has been the 901. Um, and if you look at um, yeah, his he's he's moving up draft boards and, and he's been getting the uh, all the first team reps and if even if you caught uh, I, I caught the the beginning of Dallas's preseason game um, this past weekend and Tony Pollard got he got that that starter treatment starter preseason treatment where he you know he played a series. He touched the ball three times, and you didn't see him for the rest of the game. Oh, um, yeah. So this is somebody that they they clearly view as as the starter. If Zeke Elliott's not going to play, um, you know, just a, a background on Tony Pollard. He went to the University of Memphis. Um, he, along with Daryl Henderson, and, and there was a, another running back that went to the University of Memphis last year. But basically, Tony Pollard um, was a third leading rusher on his team. Um, this is a guy that was used as a, uh, he was used as a, he was probably, he was the team, he was Memphis's primary kick returner and punt returner last year. Um, and he was profiled as like a, a pass catching back, um, which is interesting because this is a running back that's six foot, 215 pounds, 210 pounds. Um, so, you know, guys that are profiled as kick returners, punt returners, and pass catchers tend to be smaller, but this is a guy with, with you know, you know, pretty decent size at six foot, 210 pounds. Um, he ran a 4.52, 35 inches in the vert with a 121 broad jump. Um, so, you know, it's pretty, he's moderately explosive. Um, so, I, I mean, Behind this this Dallas offensive line, I mean, I think I think I could run behind the Dallas offensive line. <laughs> um, so I I mean, yeah, I, I think that you know, thirteenth round, um, you know, he's definitely someone that we have to we have to be getting late in drafts uh, as we monitor the Zeke situation because, like we said, running backs are lottery tickets, and um, if you know, week two, the Dallas Cowboys starting running back was to end up on the waiver wire, I think that he would be the number one waiver or we would see teams spending 90 to 100% of their fab budget to get him. So, you know, I think we should we should be drafting him in, in, in the later rounds. Yeah, I think everyone's trying to look for that James Conner for this year. Um, so, that situation and uh, the Melbourne Board situation is definitely one you got to keep an eye on, on those handcuffs. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, Greg. Well, I mean, uh, unless you got something else, I right. I'm good on that note. Yeah, no, running backs, I think we summed that up. Uh, everyone should be running back experts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, again, thank you again for listening. Um, we are now live on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Um, so if you want to give us a follow or leave us a review, if you if you really like what we're saying, um, you really like the feedback that we're, um, you know, the things that the, the advice that we're given and go ahead and give us a, a five-star review um if not then 
you know, you could just find Greg on Instagram and DM you, DM him your complaint. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> um, but yeah, nah, we really appreciate the support, guys. Uh, it really means a lot. Um, and yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll be back next show uh, to talk about uh, part three as we cover wide receivers, top threes, breakout sleepers, and busts. Yeah.